Praise the Lord. We, um, exciting, uh, exciting time for us as a church. Uh, not everyone here uh, this morning has been a part of the journey, but the journey has been exciting. I've had um, my wife and myself, my family, have had an opportunity, really the privilege I would call it, of being able to see a church start from the ground up. We did that in Wales with two churches, and we have done that in coming to North Carolina and seeing Calvary Chapel Fellowship begin. If you've never been a part of a church that started from the ground up, meaning that you have a handful of people that meet together that you're not even calling yourself a church yet, and you start to gather and have a Bible study, and it evolves, so to speak, into a church, that's what's incredible about our Lord. That He's able to take, we didn't know a soul in North Carolina. We didn't know anything about North Carolina. We just simply moved here, believing God was leading us here to North Carolina. And 11 years later, here we are still as a church. And so God birthed a church from nothing. And here you are here today. And some that are not able to be here right now, but uh, look what God has done. And that's exciting. And I have to remind myself, matter of fact, here's a good uh, reminder for all of us. Don't forget. Don't forget the day that you were saved Look back to that time and remember the day that God grabbed hold of you and you were saved. You came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. And we also shouldn't forget even what God is doing in our life. Look what God has done in your personal life. And look where you are today. And look what God wants to do. And and even that worship song, you have done great things. And then it also says, and you will do great things. And I hope that that's on our hearts. I hope that that kind of faith is what we're trusting in our God. God is going to still do great things in you. He's going to do great things through this church. God has great plans for you and I and for the church. Don't forget that Jesus Christ is coming back. Don't forget that you're going to stand someday face to face with the Lord. And and if that is at the forefront of your mind, and that is a reminder that is quite often in your heart and mind, it'll have a great impact upon your walk with Christ. Don't forget. Remembrances are good things to look back on what God has done. It was on September 5th of 2008 that myself, my family, we returned from the country of Wales to California, and we had no clue what God was going to do with us from there. We went back to our home church. Our pastor wanted to put me back on staff, but I, after a couple of conversations with him, I said, I don't believe that this is where the Lord is going to have us stay. I didn't know anything about North Carolina. I didn't know that we were going to end up here. I just knew, and he was in agreement with me, this isn't where you're going to land and this is not where you're going to stay. And so as the Lord began to show Kathy and I that we were going to go plant another church, we started looking. North Carolina came up because our daughter and our son-in-law 
they were already moving to North Carolina. I started looking online and thought, man, there was only 19 Calvary chapels in North Carolina at the time. California had over 600 Calvary chapels in that state. I thought, you know, North Carolina, don't know anything about it. And we came out on a couple pre-trips pre-tri to North Carolina, six months apart, spied out the land, so to speak. And on that second trip, the Lord said, you're coming to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He confirmed it to us in a number of different ways. And we arrived on September 5th of 2010 here in North Carolina. We started our first service over at Forsyth Country Day School uh, on October 24th of 2010. And like I say, we started in a facility where we had rent to pay, not much, but we had rent to pay for this lecture hall, but we weren't a church. I had Joe and Ashley who came from California was our worship leader, and it was Kathy, myself, and our daughter, Amber, and uh, Chris started coming along uh, to the church. They weren't even married at that time. Great things have happened, right, Amber? <laughs> Amen. They got married, and we got a grandchild, and, and so we ended up spending five years in that school. Some of you weren't a part of that school. Some of you here this morning were. And then we saw God do something else incredible as we looked around for almost two years. Kathy and myself probably looked at every empty building in North Carolina trying to find a place that we could buy, that we could move into, that we could call home, that we could get out of that school. And the Lord after all of that looking and all that time spent, he ends up giving, literally giving this church building to us. There was no doubt in my mind that God had said, this is your place, this is your home, this is where you're gonna be. I have a work for you to do here uh, in this part of Winston-Salem. And so we had our first service here on October 4th, of 2015 was our first Sunday morning here uh, after this church building had been given to us. We were rejoicing. I say, for those of you that have been a part of this journey, don't forget. I remember reading a letter to this church about what great things God has done, and then I backed it up with a warning. And the warning was simply about remembering and not forgetting because it's so easy to see God's blessing and then to begin to forget what great things God has done. And so today, as we celebrate this uh, 11th year anniversary as a church, it's a time for us to rejoice, a time to remember the great things that God has done. We um, have in this time as a church, we've uh, laid hands upon Pastor Scott, and uh, we've laid hands upon Pastor Kyle, and we've laid hands upon Bruce, who is an elder in this church, and God began to raise up leadership, and we have different people serving in places of leadership in this church and different capacities, ministries that have began, and that's the work of God. You all have a place here. As a matter of fact, Kathy handed me you know, our VBS, and on the theme of the VBS, you have a purpose in the body of Christ, and that's for every single one of us here. You have a purpose in the body of Christ. If you call this your church, you have a purpose in being here. God wants to use you and he wants to use your gifts. And so we, uh, we have, I don't know, there, we have a few, I don't know if we have some pictures, we're able to put them up. Uh, 
I don't even know how many of you can see that in the back, but these are some of the, I started digging through some of the old photos of what the building looked like before we came into it and how all these windows got, all these pews got recovered and uh, you can just scroll through a few of them. Remember we had red pews, those of you who were here, red velvet pews with no cushion on the back. So you're, you're getting the advantage of some cushion on your back. But we did, that was our first sign and you know we just moved in this place just saying, Lord, look what you've given us. And not only did he give us that, but he gave us actually quite a bit of money that was given in the beginning uh, days of, our, of a church that we had saved that we were able to pay for a lot of this that we did in the church cash. We paid for a lot of the work to be done. And so it was quite a lot of work in those first three years that we were in this building and we still have work to do, but uh, anyway, these are just some of the pictures. We, um, I thought, you know, for this morning, um, and everyone's saying, you know, you're going to have a shorter message today. And I said, well, just believe it in faith that we're going to end a little shorter today. I, I, I can do it. I think I can. So we're going to step away from the book of James uh, this morning, and we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to cover one verse. Now, you would think that I would be able to get through this quicker, right? The problem is we're talking about a subject that could take us weeks to talk about. And so I titled this morning's message, Be Strong in the Grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a long one, Kyle. He says I always have long titles. This is a long one. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, 2 Timothy 2.1. As... I considered what I wanted to share today. I went back to the first service here in this church building uh, that happened on October 4th, 2015. What I'm gonna share with you this morning is that message, the first message that I taught in this church building when we started here. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul, writing to his son in the faith, writing to Timothy, a, a young man that was going to have the baton passed over to him. He, Paul was coming to the end of his days, the end of his life. He was going to be martyred for his faith. He knew his time was coming. He wanted to exhort his young Timothy in the faith. He wanted to exhort him to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And like I said, the subject matter that we're going to talk about even this morning, it's, there's a lot, a lot to God's grace, a lot to knowing and learning and growing in the grace of God. And so this is not going to be exhaustive, but what we do find and we look as we look at our Bibles, that you can find the word grace 170 times throughout your Bible. And as Christians, it's a lifelong endeavor to know the grace of God more, to understand it more, to apply it to your life in a greater way. It's a lifelong endeavor. The word grace itself, the Greek word charis, it just means this, unmerited favor. It means getting something that we don't deserve. And that all started the day that you gave your life to Christ. 
Did any one of you in here deserve salvation? Did any one of you in here work for your salvation? And by that, you felt in your heart, God owed it to you. I think all of us realize we were sinners that needed to be saved by the mercy and grace of God. And that's what God has done. This topic of grace, I wrote, is simple to understand when we realize that it's not anything that we can earn. It's not anything we work for or deserve. Grace is simply the gift of God. And I hope you understand grace that way. I hope you see it that way. That God actually extends His grace to you as a gift. We read in First John, or excuse me, in John 1:17, it says, "For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that we are no longer under the dictates of the law? The law in itself really brought death to mankind because we couldn't live up to it. But grace and truth came through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And aren't we thankful for that? It's by God's grace that He gave us this church building. It's by God's grace that He called us to this part of Winston-Salem. There's lots of four corners of Winston-Salem, but he called us here to this particular locale. It's by God's grace that he will enable us to minister to every person that comes into this church. Every one of you that calls this your church, God will give you the grace and you should see the responsibility to minister to those that come here, to show the love of Christ, to be those mouths and be those hands and be those people that can come and minister to those that would come along. It's by God's grace that any one of us that are are here in this place and that we continue in this place, God has been gracious to us, each one of us. I don't believe that we deserve this building when God gave it to us could have handed it off to anybody. We had the money in the bank for a deposit to go buy a building. And God says, no, I'm going to give you one instead. I like that, don't you? I mean, we'll take it for free. And we didn't deserve it. None of us deserved what God has given us, the place that we call our home. None of us earned it. It was His grace and and. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see in, the, in, in God giving us this place. Paul writing to the Christians at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus in chapter 2, verse 8, a very familiar verse to most of us. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. And here it is. It is the gift of God. When you read that verse, understand this, that the gift that Paul is speaking about here in this verse is two things. One, God's grace. Number two, the faith that God gave you to believe. 
Both of those are a gift from God. The grace that you put in your faith and trust in Jesus Christ was not your own faith. It was a gift of God. He gave you a measure of faith to believe in him. He gave you the grace and enablement to be able to believe in him. It's all by God's grace that you're even saved. And then God turns around and he gives us gifts. He gives us those gifts of grace that we have in our lives. And each one of you has a gift or gifts in your life that God has given to you. And you should use them. Don't neglect the gift that God has given to you. You need to use it within the body of Christ. We all have a purpose here in the body of Christ. Paul, he ministered this whole issue of grace all the way through his letters. And as you read about grace, you you realize that apart from his grace, I couldn't even receive him as Lord and Savior. As, As far as his grace is concerned, I needed to live every single day. We need to grow in that grace every single day. We need to minister in it. If you teach in Sunday school, you teach our youth, you usher out front, you do anything. You need God's grace to be able to do any ministry that would bring glory to God at all. We need to talk about His grace. We need to share it in the Gospel. We need to tell it to people how gracious our God is, how loving and how merciful and how gracious He is. And He wants to extend it to you. We grow in it. It'll be a lifelong endeavor of growing in the grace of God. We walk in it every single day. The grace of God. Paul writing to the Christians at Colossae in chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all of the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and you knew the grace of God and truth. Think, don't forget about that day. When was the day that you knew the grace of God and truth? Just think about that eye-opening moment, the day that you realize that He wants to forgive you of all of your sin. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to wipe your slate clean. Don't forget what you were and what you are now in Christ Jesus. This grace... This grace of God and truth tells me that it's something that I can learn more of. It's not something that I learn in a moment and I have all my understanding of the grace of God. I need to grow in my understanding of it. I wrote this, applying and receiving grace in our lives is often profound and complex because of the inability that we have to fully grasp it. Our pride keeps us from fully resting upon this grace 
that He so freely gives, knowing the grace of God in truth, is a lifelong pursuit of every Christian. Some of the examples that we see in Scripture, one great example of this is Father Abraham. You can read about him in in Genesis chapter 15. God made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Abram and Sarai at the time. He made a covenant with them concerning his seed and the the nations that were going to be blessed. Abraham, a hundred years old, Sarah, 90. He said, you're going to have a child. How can that happen? Put yourself in that age group. Think of yourself having a child at that age. How can it happen? It's impossible. But Abraham trusted God. He believed in God. And God accounted it to him for righteousness. You see, it was his faith and his belief in the promise of of God that God says he gives his righteousness to Abraham. Abraham, the father of all those who would believe. And then you have Sarai, who laughed at the promise and allowed Hagar to go in and give birth to Ishmael. It was a work of the flesh, wasn't it? Trying to do it their own way. Abraham allowing it, Sarai allowing it. And then years later, the promise came to pass, just as God had promised. Sarah would give birth to Isaac, whose name means laughter. That was the grace of God. You see, we don't approach God, we don't come to God in a perfect way, do we? We have our human weaknesses. We have our failures. We try, we seek, but we we quite often fail. And the grace of God continues to be poured out upon us. God is always faithful to His promises. Even when you lack faith, even when you struggle, God will always be faithful to His promises and to you. In the New Testament, we have one of the greatest missionaries of all time, the Apostle Paul, Paul of Tarsus. He was born in a strict Jewish home. He was a very religious person. He has, in practice and morality, he even saw himself as a person that was blameless. This is what religion will do. Hey, Paul was a strict Pharisee of the day, abiding by the law. Years of theological schooling Paul had by the best of the best teachers in his day. He took a lot of pride in his heritage. He took a lot of pride in his zealousness. And all of this, he took so much pride in the fact that he was a Pharisee. That religious sect of Judaism that was the ones that sought to keep the law and to practice those things that were in the law. 30 years of his life would transpire before on that road that he got saved on that day. That's God's grace. That's God 
giving grace to a man of 30 years of religiosity that knew all that. And God says, it's time now. Paul, why do you keep kicking against the goats? Why do you keep fighting against me? And God turns around and says, what state were you in the day that you gave your life to Christ? And the day that you experienced His grace being poured out over your sin. Paul writing to the church at Philippi in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, concerning zeal, speaking of himself, this is his resume, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless, but what things were gained to me, Paul says, these I counted lost for Christ. That's God's grace. Paul said to Timothy in our text this morning, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Timothy. Timothy, in, minute, in your personal life and in ministry, you're going to need this grace. You're going to need it every single day. You're not going to be able to go out into this world apart from my grace. You need it for ministry. Timothy, you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And I want to say that it's not just for Timothy. It's for each one of us here. We need to be strong in the grace that is in and found in Jesus Christ. Paul says, Timothy, because you are a teacher of the Word of God, you need to be strong in the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And Timothy, because you're called to endure hardship like a good soldier, Timothy, you need to be strong in the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And because you're running a race, Timothy, you're competing like an athlete. You need to be strong in the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. And because you're called, Timothy, to be like a hardworking farmer, you're going to need to have God's grace. You need to be strong in His grace, Timothy. And because you're called to be a worker, rightly dividing the word of truth, as you stand before the people and you teach the Word of God, Timothy, you're going to need that grace of God in your life. You need to be strong in His grace, Timothy. And because you're a servant, a bondservant of the Lord, you're going to need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Those same words that Paul gave to Timothy are words that we need to hear, that we need to take to heart ourselves. You need to be strong in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Of all the truths that we find in the Bible, grace may be one of the most important truths of all. We need to understand it, though, in our lives. We need to apply it to our lives. We need to grow in it and be strong in it as we grow. But let me ask you a question. How much grace have you already needed today? It's only going on 11 o'clock. How much grace did you need today as you stepped out of bed? I, didn't know, I don't know what went on in your morning before you got here. How much grace did you need to even get here today? How much grace did you need this past week when you consider your past week? How much of His grace did you need throughout this week 
as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a son, a daughter, as an employee, employer, how much grace did you need from God this past week? How much grace if you had an opportunity to open your mouth for Jesus Christ? How much grace did you need to open your mouth and speak on behalf of the living God, to share the gospel with someone? How much grace did you need and do you need to serve in this church? Can you do Sunday school? Can you be an usher out there? Can you do any of these things apart from God's grace? You see, the moment we start doing it in our own effort, the moment we get move away from grace and start thinking that we can do these things apart from that grace, that enabling grace that God gives us, we're doing it in the flesh. It'll get frustrating to teach your children, the children downstairs, or to teach the youth. It'll get frustrating to me to teach you if I don't do it by the grace of God that God has given to me. Some of us might be thinking, I just needed enough grace just to simply put my legs out of bed this morning and get out of bed. I don't really want to get out of bed. God, I know that I need to be there. And you might have needed that grace even to be here today. That to me is how I look at grace. Don't minimize it. Paul started every letter with it and ended every letter with it. It's important for us to know. We all need this grace in large quantities. We need it in an abundance. We need to to apply it. We're justified by this grace. We need to be strengthened in it. We Make that part of your prayer. God, I need your grace in my life. God, would you apply your grace to me today? God, would I, can I walk in your grace today? I need to stand in it, Lord. I need to grow in it. I need to receive it. I need to find it every single day. I need to minister in it. I need to abound in it. I need to have access to it. I need it to preach. I need it to be a steward of the Lord. I need it to really praise Him for what He's done. I need it to be humbled. I need to be humbled by God's grace. I need to be empowered by God's grace. I need to be strengthened by it. I need to know that it's sufficient in my life and in ministry. And we need to know that it's truth. God's grace. God's unmerited favor getting something that you don't deserve. God's enabling grace in your life. And you know what? God does offer this grace to you and I in abundance. He wants to pour it over your life each and every day. Here's something else that we need to remember If you are short on grace in your own life, then you're also probably going to come up short on extending grace to other people. If you are having a hard time grabbing hold of grace in your life, having a hard time understanding grace in your own life, 
how it applies to you, how it works in you, empowers you to do anything in life, then you probably you might find yourself being a little bit legalistic as a Christian. You have a hard time even extending it towards your spouse, extending it towards your children, extending it towards coworkers, extending grace in a way that would honor the Lord. 2 Peter 3.18, Peter writes, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember that the book of James that we're in right now, it's about maturity, it's about growing up. We need to grow up in the area of grace. How it applies to me and how God will use that in my life. It's only when we're living and ministering in the power of this grace that we can experience this God-given power to do our ministry. I call that enabling grace. You know, we see our insufficiency. And every time I stand up here, I know my insufficiency. Every time you teach our children, you should know your insufficiency. There's nothing in me. It all has to be the Lord. I want it to be the Lord. I want it to be that enabling grace in my life. If I'm going to be a good worker outside this building, go off to work, I need your grace, Lord. If I'm going to be a mother, a father, I'm going to be a husband, a wife, I, God, I need your grace. I need it every day. Paul says in verse 1 again, he says, be strong. And that's not telling us as Christians to tough it out. You know, somebody say, hey, be strong. The Lord's not saying tough it out. We're not talking about physical power here. We're not talking about intellectual power. This word strong here is, is a Greek word. It's actually in dunamu is the Greek word. And it means to be strengthened in something. Be strengthened in grace is really what Paul is saying. In other words, it would be like saying you need to put gas in your car. Or you need to plug in your auto, your electric vehicle into the plug to charge your car. And we might say that Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you need to plug in. You need to plug into this grace. You need to allow it to empower you for the ministry that God has called you to. Be strong in the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. Timothy, plug in. A few weeks back, I shared from Acts 1.8 about having the power of the Holy Spirit come upon us. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that word power that I shared when we did that study a few weeks back, it's that Greek word dunamis. And it's that word dunamis that comes from this same Greek word here about being strong in the Lord. We're talking about having that power in our life. The grace, the power that we need in our lives as Christians. 
He was telling Timothy, it will be this grace, this inward source of power that will strengthen you for the work. So we might say it this way. It's by the means of his grace that I'm able to do anything for the Lord. Is there anything that you can do for the Lord and glorify him and please him with that you could do in your own strength? Nothing. It's only by his grace that any of us can do anything for the Lord. Period. We're, We're sinners that have been saved by his grace. And we need his grace to be able to do what we do as Christians. It's by this grace that is found in Christ that we receive the inward power. It's God's will. God's will that you would partake of this grace. That you would receive it. That you would live in it. But let me throw a caution out to us this morning. If we miss this truth about grace, or if we're not growing in it, then the alternative is that we're going to find ourselves trying to walk with God, serve God, serve others, and we're going to be doing it in our own strength. We're going to be doing it in our own effort. And I can tell you from years of being a Christian and serving in different capacities, it can be a very frustrating place to be. We need to do it by the grace of God. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 15.10 that God saved him and changed him by his grace. Paul knew this. When you think of the Apostle Paul, you just think about this man, this great missionary that we might call him. You think about this man. This man was completely dependent upon the grace of God. But look what God did. Look how powerful a ministry that he had. Because it wasn't a work of the flesh of Paul. It wasn't his own ingenuity and the fact that he deemed himself as a great church planter. It was by the grace of God that any of this took place. It was that enabling grace that empowered Paul to do the ministry that God had called him to. It was that enabling grace on that day when he was telling Timothy, my time of departure is at hand. He knew that it would be God's grace that would enable him to to be taken away. And as history tells us, he was beheaded by those Romans. That was the grace of God. In 1 Corinthians 15.10 we read, Paul writing, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Do you think Paul was clinging to grace? Do you think Paul in his ministry understood, I can't do it apart from you? I believe he did. And that's what made his ministry powerful. Can you say that about your walk? Can you say that about how you get up out of bed every day and seek to go out and glorify God with your life? That you're doing it by the grace of God. 
I'm, I'm growing in it and I'm understanding and I'm falling upon it in those times that I fail. But it's the grace of God that I can get up and I can go each and every day. God, I need your grace. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that his grace will give us all that we need for every good work. Listen to what he says. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance of this grace for every good work. An abundance of it. God gives it to us in abundance. He wants to empower us and enable us through it. And the people that want to say, and I don't know if you've ever been one of those people who say, you know what, I, man, I worked, I labored and for the Lord, and I did this ministry for so long, and I, I finally burned out. I don't believe in burnout. I don't believe that a Christian burns out for the things of God. If we're doing it in the grace and the enablement of the Spirit of God and His power, you're not burning out. If you're burning out, it's because your own flesh is trying to do what only God can do. There's a song. I asked Kyle this morning, hey, Kyle, do you know this song? He didn't know it. He'll learn it. The song is titled, He Giveth More Grace. It was taken from James chapter 4, verse 6. This is the lyrics to the song. I, I think it's a great worship song. Kyle will learn it. He gives more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sends more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction he adds his mercy to multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's Full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Every single day that you step out of your house, that grace that is upon your life should go before you. You should be dependent upon it. You should be asking God for it. We, Lord, I, 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 just to walk and to stay away from sin, to stay pure before you. God, I need your grace and I need your power in my life. We need to know that God has more grace available to you then you're ever going to be able to use up in a lifetime 
You won't exhaust it. He's got more than you will ever be able to use in a whole lifetime. We were saved by it. We're enabled by it. We're empowered by His grace. And we need to grow in this grace each and every day. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 in closing, close to closing, in 5.20, Paul says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, don't miss this, where sin abounded in your life, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That word abounded, that Paul is using here, to describe God's grace that is poured out over your sin. There is much sin and much at times sin in our life where we fall short every single day. We fail in something. And then God's grace, it floods over your sin. His blood continues to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's an amazing thing. But that word abounded means to superabound over your sin. It means to increase, to flood over your sin. And if you could get that picture of God's grace like a, like a wave just coming over your sin every single day, it gives you a little bit of a taste of how you're able to get up every day as a Christian and walk and grow and walk in the grace of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. That's grace. In 1 Peter 4, 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That's God's enabling grace. And then in 2 Corinthians 12.9, Paul says, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. God said that to Paul. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, that's God's strength, my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities, Paul says, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's God's grace. With what we talked about today, you can leave today. You can go about today. And, and I would say, even as we close in a worship song, even this morning, just approach God in prayer. Just say, God, help me to know the grace of God in truth. Help me to, to grow stronger in this grace. Help me to know it, to understand it, to grab hold of it in my life.
And I will tell you what you will see and experience. You'll experience God's power, more power in your life. You'll be humbled by it. You'll look to God and desire more of it. You'll minister in it. And all, and all the things that we do as Christians, God, I need you in my life. It's your dependency upon Him. Kathy asked me to sing the Arionic blessing upon you at the close of service today. To actually sing it. I don't think I'm going to sing it. Pastor Chuck used to like to sing this over the people in his congregation. It's out of Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. I'll read it to you. Maybe you'll get a hint of some singing. But what a great blessing. Listen to what Moses said to the people of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say this to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't that, a, isn't, that, isn't that a great blessing? You know, to have that just prayed over you every day. Pray for your spouse that way. Pray, you know, God's blessing upon you. Let's uh, have Kyle come up and, and let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. Lord, for your blessings upon this church. I thank you for each and every one that is here in this church, Lord, that you have brought along. Lord, they're your sheep. They're sheep that you love, that you laid down your life for. And Lord, they're in this church. They're in this one church of many. But Lord, we're one church, Lord, that wants to shine for You. That our lives would be a witness for You. And Lord, we need Your grace. We need it in abundance this morning. We need it in every part of our life, and every part of our ministry. And Lord, that we might experience that dunamis power. That we might experience that abundance of power and grace in our life this morning. Lord, that You would go before us. Even as we go over to Tanglewood Park, Lord, that we would be open. That we would even be looking for opportunity. Lord, maybe there's someone at the park that You might have us speak to today, Lord. Would You give us the grace? Lord, today, and would you give us the grace that we would need, Lord, for tomorrow? And Lord, forgive us, Lord, for not being dependent upon this grace. But Lord, that we would seek it. And Lord, we know that you want to give it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.